You could post an Instagram story and 5% of your audience is going to see it in the next 24 hours. It's not like the most effective way to reach your audience. The thing is like when you have an audience, you have a lot of interesting people in your audience. One fan could lead to the next 10 brand deals you have. One fan could lead to like setting you up with the venue of your next party. And like all of these things are super important and like you miss one fan, it's like a big deal. And most of these platforms don't let you access 90% of your fans unless you pay for it. I'm Jesse Clemens and this is Creator Kit, where each week we shine the spotlight on awesome new tools and services for the creator economy and unpack how they might help you grow your creator business faster. Creator Kit is presented by Highbeam. Highbeam solves message overload for creators by organizing and prioritizing DMs and comments in one unified workspace, so you never miss an important message again. You can find us at highbeamapp.com. On this episode of Creator Kit, we talk to Bobby Tucker. Bobby is the co-founder of Ampersand, a product studio focused on the future of work. On today's show, we talk about how a Discord community grew into a hacker house, which grew into a venture-backed startup focused on building for the needs of creators. Let's get to it. Awesome. Bob, you're welcome to Creator Kit. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. It's really great to have you on the show. I'm excited about our conversation today. I think we're going to be able to pack a lot in uh, given the, the breadth and uh, depth of the products you're working on at Ampersand. I was really excited and interested to hear from sort of like a creator perspective, what the studio model is all about. So maybe we can start with just a quick yeah. intro to Ampersand. Give us the 60 seconds. Then I'd love to turn to you, hear a little bit about your background and why you're so interested in the creator space. And we can go from there. For sure. No, I appreciate that. Ampersand is an interesting idea. I think like when I first launched it, or when we first pitched it to investors and we're talking about it, it's like, it's a studio, we build products. We don't know what those products are yet, but we're gonna solve problems for this segment, which is the creators, freelancer, future of work economy, you could say. We really thought the future of work, like everyone is going to be, or like not everyone, but vast majority of people are going to start owning parts of their lives, owning parts of their income. That might be a site Etsy store, that might be a podcast, that might be a YouTube channel, streaming on Twitch. It could be a whole slew of things. It was very clear to us that like, there's a lot of small problems for these segments. The creator economy, a lot of companies target the creator economy, but the creator economy is very large. You're including Substack writers to Twitch streamers. And like these communities don't have the same problems, nor do they need the same tooling. So our inherent thought process was there's not a big enough company here where like we could solve one micro problem that could be a billion dollar business. We were like, let's just take every small problem. If we can justify like, 10k 50k of monthly revenue in this problem let's let's go tackle it and like let's explore it and like let's do it very lean so that we can see what what comes out of it and then we're just stack on these tools with each other and we'd create this suite we always like looked up to adobe this like product suite where everyone pays one subscription it's very affordable subscription for what the tooling is and you get everything in it and so as a creator you can choose what you want to use that could be Adobe XD, Illustrator, Photoshop, whatever you as a creator wants, you just pick from the bundle. And I mean, the other tools you have access to if you ever need them, but for the most time, you get one really great affordable deal across a ton of products. And that's actually what we ended up striving for. But we launched as a product studio. And for those that don't know, product studio, usually a model like that is take a ton of creative, amazing people together, 
go spin out a ton of products, see what works. If when one works, you just focus on 100% and that company turns into that. Uber came out of a venture studio, product studio setup. Hims, Bungalow, ton of other products all came out of venture studios and product studios. Our focus as a company was greater space, independent workers, you could say. And we just, we called ourselves Ampersand because we were like collection of multiple brands. So we're this brand and this brand and this brand. Um, and that's kind of how that all started. But yeah, that's, I guess, like how Ampersand started. I mean, where it's going is completely different, but we're excited for where it's going. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> awesome. I guess more to come in keeping with the, the name as well. So that, that works really well. It makes a lot of sense. And so one quick clarifying question for the audience that, you know, for the folks in the audience that may not be familiar with different startup models, using two examples that people might be familiar with. On one hand, you often have independent startups. These are teams that get together to solve usually one problem and one product. They raise money, they bring it to market and try to, you know, make it succeed. On the other hand, another common model is an incubator, which I think a lot of people may have heard up in the startup space, which is usually venture uh, funded group that oversees a bunch of different teams working on a bunch of different products and the ones that work kind of spit out, spin out and live on their own. And somewhere in between, you have this product studio model where it's actually the same team working on a bunch of different products, but for the same creator constituency, which I imagine leads to some some better like consistency and some of the effect of products like working well together or, or, or am I wrong in that? No, hundred percent. I think like for our model where we wanted the suite, like it makes more sense. Like the same team working on the same stack, working on the same suite of products. The interesting thing is like, I'd like that example, like the famous incubator, not famous, but the incubator that most, I guess, consumers know about is the Ehrlich Bachman house in Silicon Valley. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot more famous incubators out there in the community. But what I'll say is like, there's a difference. Like there, there's one route. There's a one route startup where it's like, we have this idea. I would say like from all the successful ones, the ones I've talked to, more than half, maybe closer to 80%, they pivot multiple times. What the product studio model lets us do is it makes it a lot easier to pivot because we could just open up to a new idea, new opportunity. And that is ingrained in the culture and structure of the company instead of it being a very hard thing to do as in like, oh, you have all this sunk cost, let's drop it, move on to our new product with a new idea, a new product market fit, right? We knew who our customer was. We had very deep relationships and very easy access to that customer base. And so for us, it was like, let's just keep it open-minded. The space is moving quickly. There's a hundred companies in the space launching every month. The creator economy is on fire. A lot of interesting ideas are popping up. We don't know if I, we had three ideas on day one. I didn't want to go pitch those ideas though, because I wasn't sure yet. I didn't like find PMF. I didn't find if these are going to be validated. Right. And so I wanted to create the system where it could validate, build and like change quickly so that we can de-risk the success of our company. Cool. Yeah. I guess it's that agility that also allows you to find small problems act really quickly on them and, and, you know, perhaps address them for creators faster than, you know, it might take another startup to linger on the problem, think it through, mull it over and convince the team to move in a new direction. So I'm, I'm guessing there's some like agility and ability to, to move really fast as well. 100%. It's just a mindset shift at yeah. the end of the day, to be honest. No, I mean, and that allows any employee at our company to be like, Hey, I have a new idea. And I'm like, great. 
You got a week, go validate it, build it in no code tools, figure out if there's a market there. We have the audience to kickstart it off and validate it really quickly. We have a budget to run like a few Facebook ads if we need to, if the idea makes sense for that. So it's just, it keeps the door open. Super cool. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the team behind Ampersand. What's the, what's the group look like and how'd you guys all get together and what's your personal background and history? Yeah. So I guess I'll start with how the group got together. This is a interesting story. So last year during the pandemic, I was just like casually like in between jobs and like just figuring things out. I had worked at an agency prior that had acquired my first startup actually back in 2018. But I was working on sports contracts. I, but at the end of the day, like there was always this like thought process between me and my friends. They were like, let's go like build something small, 10K, 20K MRR, just for ourselves. And like, I mean, 10K a month, that's like more than enough money to live and like comfortably, right? At least for myself. And, like, Just quickly for audience members that might not be familiar, MRR is a measurement that startups often use that is just a count of how much revenue is generated on a given month. And so especially where a lot of creator tools are subscription oriented, you can translate that to a certain company size. And what Bobby is describing is relatively smaller company size, you know, certainly su successful and, and probably can stand on its own, but it's not huge 20, 20K MRR a month. So it, it's meant to be an example of how, you know, these could be smaller ideas that can be iterated on very quickly. Yeah. And like there, there's this whole community called Indie Hacker. And this community is filled with just like indie developers, same way there's like indie gamers and indie indie game developers, but indie hackers are just building these micro software services products online that you pay $10 a month for, for it to do like this little automation or this like Shopify extension or whatever it is. And I'm friends with a ton of these people. And that, that was like the community I love to be a part of. Um, I came from a hackathon world back in college and high school. Like this is just a community that like, I, I loved working with. And I came from a Mac, like marketing and design background. What you don't know is this community is filled with 95% of developers. I'm sorry, but like they don't know how to market and sometimes they don't know how to design good products. And so I always loved working with them and I was like pairing up and like collaborating on these new projects. And I was like, what if we just got a Discord server together and a group together of all these indie hackers and we would just support each other because it's like very, it's a lonely, lonely mission, lonely like uh, job when it's just like you, maybe one other person. So, and like, we could all support each other. And like, for me, I was like, I could offer my design services to like 10 different startups at once. So I created this really small Discord community, I'd say like April, June of last year, called that Ampersand actually, because it was just a collection of brands. I've been using the Ampersand name since I was like 15. So like for like little different projects here and there. Created this Discord. And then, I mean, travel started to come back like fall 2020, like where like you could go do like a big group house if you wanted to. And that was kind of like socially acceptable. And we were all at our parents' house. We had all left our leases. We were like, okay, let's just go get a house in the middle of nowhere, Colorado for like a few weeks. And just like, we all have to launch our startups that week, like in these, like in this time period. We went, we did that. We made a lot of noise on Twitter about this startup house filled with like 30 or like 20 indie hackers. And we all had like kind of like a micro brand online. That was really interesting. And it got a lot of attention. And it was at the era of like when Launch House first started, if anyone is familiar with Launch House and so on and so forth. From there, it was like, wait, we're like, we, we could do this bigger. At that house, when we were all in that room, we were like, we love working together as a, as a group. And we're like, we could make this something big. Like, this doesn't have to be, like, we're all young. Like, we can do a, we can try to build a billion dollar business. It doesn't have to be a, like a 10K a month business. 
And so from there, we were like, okay, let, let's figure out what products are working, what, what aren't. Let's validate them. Let's let's build some stuff. Let's build a, let's say, portfolio of products that we, to showcase that we know how to build better than any other startup team in the Valley. And so we took that in December, like we went through, that was in October. So November, December, January, February, like we kept on building, we self-funded it. In March, we're like, okay, we got something here. Let's go raise a round. So we went, we raised a small pre-seed round in March. And then from there, we just started taking off. We started building deeper products. We started hiring engineers. The team right now consists of about 20 patrons, as we call them. It's like just community members. They all have an NFT that tells them that they're a patron of the community. And they're invited to all of our events. They um, come to a yearly house that we do. They support us online. We They're in our Slack for discussing like different topics. But they're all doing their own thing at the same time. They're all working on the next big startup. They're all doing whatever. And a lot of those individuals came from our first house. On our core team, we have one full-time designer in New York, two engineer, two product-oriented en- engineers here in, uh, or one in Austin, one in SF. And then my co-founder, Nick Garfield, former Uber payments team, and then CS grad leads our product. Amazing product mind, great coder as well. And so like we have a really killer team that just, I mean, and at the end of the day, we're all just executors. And Nick, again, like before I even met him, he was working on indie projects. He had left Uber in 2019 to just work on indie projects full time. And so we're still part of that old community and we still have a lot of respect for it. In the future, we also plan on like doing a lot of projects and grants to support that community where we stemmed from. And so that that's kind of like the team and like that's how it came out. And like we just kept the ampersand name all the way through and just never changed. And then when we were like creating our corporation docs this year, like I guess it's ampersand LLC or C Corp. <laughs> and I was like, cool, done. We actually registered our company at another hacker house we were doing in Utah, following that up with a very similar group of people. Uh-huh. And so our bank, which we, is in Utah for some reason, even though we're an Austin-based company. Truly distributed. Truly distributed. I mean, our team's all over, but we often fly our team in like once, one week every couple months. Those are usually the best weeks. But slowly but surely, more and more of the team has moved to Austin. Nick was the first one to move to Austin. And then we actually only have one more person on our team left that has not committed to moving to Austin, which I bet will happen in the next two weeks. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I and mean, I know you asked about my background. I think like it is important to note that I've been working in the creator economy before the creator economy was cool, I guess. The creator economy like blew up in 2020 and like everyone's like, oh, this is the future. And I'm like, guys, like I've been working here in 2015 and now you care, like, come on. <laughs> the cool thing is, so in high school, I had a lot of talented friends and like I created a club called Second Gen. We had blew it up to a hundred schools. I wasn't making any money though, but like we had like 20,000 members in Facebook groups. And I was like, this is cool. And all these high school kids doing their own like cool projects and like indie building and or, or they're photographers or videographers or graphic designers. And like, I'm helping them how to like get local businesses to hire them and stuff like that. It was the most amazing thing I've probably done that kicked off everything in my career. I've gotten jobs from there, I've helped thousands of other people do things. Uh, I know at least 10 people that was in our club system that ended up being a founder of a YC company. And from there, I created my first company called Groupacity. Don't ask, I think it was like a group. I don't know why I called it Groupacity. It was like a group and we were in a city and like, I don't, Honestly, no, it was a horrible name. Now looking back, naming, probably not my specialty until ampersand. I love ampersand, but before that, nothing was great. Capacity was a network of photographers and we could just like service quick events like Uber for photographers. So businesses would register, 
they'd quickly request a photographer and we'd have someone there guaranteed every time we serviced dallas texas where i lived then we serviced all of texas every edge of texas we did stuff in el paso lubbock middle of nowhere then we started servicing the states and then we started signing up we i was working at red bull at the time part-time at the same time and they were like we struggle with photographers i was like great connect the dots the red bull gigs were great because everyone wanted the red bull gig so i could like highly incentivize them the red bull contract ended up going really well i was working full-time for red bull I'd, I'd been promoted and then i only lasted there for four months before my business started taking off and i had to work focus on that full-time my business started doing photography all over the us we had nine thousand photographers in our database and we serviced almost every uber like Uber driver events. We did a ton of NFL games. We did stuff, work for Boeing, American Airlines. It was Chanel as well. That was a big one. And that started blowing up. But I didn't know what I was doing because I was 18 years old when we hit 9,000 photographers in our network. And like, I was like, I, I messed up my taxes that year. I, like, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, my parents did not help me. Like, it was like a whole, like, and like, I was just Googling away. I was like trying to figure it out, like watching YouTube videos and like how to file like, Turbo tax taxes. I was like, okay, whatever. So what I ended up doing is like, I got overwhelmed. I needed help. I needed support. One of my clients ended up purchasing my company and I went to go work for them for two years. At that time I was in college. I took a gap year from college to go work for this new company. I was like, okay, let me soak everything in. Let me learn from the best. Lasted there, worked on projects with the NFL, worked on projects with iHeartMedia Group, ton of music festivals. Still had my relationships with Red Bull, which was great. And like leveraged that a lot with my work. Ended up doing a lot of cool gaming stuff for the NFL as well as other projects uh, or the other new gaming initiatives that was blowing up then. It's important to mention at Red Bull, I was also working on the music festival stuff, whereas I was also working on the iHeartMedia stuff here, working with a lot of musicians. I led a lot of like the new pitch oriented competitions at Red Bull launch where they would like try to incentivize college students to create businesses. When I moved over to this business, I was again working with a lot of influencers in the gaming space, a lot of musicians as well. These were all creators. We just didn't like really call them a part of the creator economy back then. The photographers, they're all creators. They weren't, I mean, and the cool thing is like, because I did those things, a lot of my friends have like 10 million subs on YouTube now today, wow. Wow. right? Like, yeah. but I was just friends with them like when I was 15 in high school and I got lucky that I was like, I've been in this path for that long. And then I was working on the NFL project, got laid off during the pandemic, NFL contract kind of didn't end up lasting. Totally fine with that. It was a very mutual agreement. It wasn't like a bad blood or anything like that. I really appreciated it. Like they took a risk on an 18 year old and I mean, it ended up going well. And like, I loved it. I was also ready to leave. So it was like in two years, what's next? I was like, oh, do I re-enroll in school? Because like the market's crap. I re-enrolled in school. Not many people know that actually. I never started classes last year, but I did re-enroll. But then I started contracting. So I contracted for a notion for a bit. As a designer or a marketer? Or Marketer. So I was working on like, so they had a new, new program for their students. So that students, like they launched a student. I was like uh, the Texas ambassador as well. I did a few events here in Texas with my friend Carson Jones. Um, but I always have been a Notion super user and I always want to be a part of that community. Did some contract work and like intern work, essentially intern work for Lolly as a growth marketer. And so I was like, how do we grow? And so I would focus on like the college initiative. It was like very much like, oh, the Red Bull has one of the largest, best college initiatives in the country. Can you bring that to Lolly? And I was like, okay, because cryptocurrency and like all these terms are now like massive in the college space, or like by that, I mean like there's new clubs popping up every day and all and new classes and programming. 
it's like, oh, this is a great time to get involved and be that leader in the space. For those that don't know, Lolly is very much like a honey.com extension that gives you this like money back, but it's in the form of Bitcoin instead of cash. From there, worked at Stir, contracted there, I led a few drops. So the one that I like led was only tweets. Only tweets was a way to put a paywall in front of your Twitter account. And so your private Twitter account. So it was like OnlyFans, but on Twitter. And we got shut down by Twitter. But a few weeks later, Twitter launched Super Follows. We were like, cool. I mean, the whole point of our thing was like, we want these platforms like Twitter, Instagram to allow creators to monetize. And like, that's, we got our goal. Like Twitter has Super Follows now. And Twitter is moving in this direction better than any other company. It's awesome. And, and it's kind of like fits your MO too. Like the idea of, of these quick you know, not necessarily like products that are meant to solve a problem in a given moment of time. And Stir did an amazing job of uh, utilizing this drops concept to, to a great degree of success in building momentum towards an initial launch. It inspired a whole bunch of different startup founders in the creator space, myself included, to think about techniques like that. So it's really cool that you are a part of it. Moving into Ampersand, can you briefly tell us a little bit about the products that you guys are working on today? What kind of stuff is live and, and where are you guys headed in the future? Yeah. So I think right now today, like over the last year, we've ex- been exploring like what are the creator problems? Uh, one of the biggest things, communication, direct communication. So the first product we built was called Directs. It's a easy way to text your whole audience instantly. And it allows creators to essentially like get their community engaged at a high level. Newsletters have like a 20% open rate. Our text service has on average 88%, which is amazing for us. And you could do a lot of cool initiatives. It opens the door on what you could do. We had an account in New York called Vax Girl Summer. They do rooftop parties. They would literally have hundreds of people show up and they would text that audience the day out. Sort of like instant connection with your audience to deliver timely updates or exclusive content or whatever exclusive content like it's conversational right like yeah you send a newsletter you're not gonna get any replies like newsletters don't look like things you reply to you send out a text with a question you get a hundred ideas like hey i need a new idea for a video send it out hey i need a like a throwing something in la where should i throw it you got a hundred ideas and like you're leveraging your network you're leveraging connection you have this like whole repository of like your potential customer base or audience that you didn't have access to prior because it's hard to access them on Instagram and Twitter. You could post an Instagram story and 5% of your audience is going to see it in the next 24 hours. It's not like the most effective way to reach your audience. The thing is like when you have an audience, you have a lot of interesting people in your audience. It, one fan could lead to the next 10 brand deals you have. One fan could lead to like setting you up with the venue of your next party. And like all of these things are super, super important. And like you miss one fan, it's like a big deal. and most of these platforms don't let you access 90% of your fans unless you pay for it. And it's like, so we built this texting service. There are other services in the space. We're not the only one by a long shot. There's community.com. And we're not like, we love these services. They all do a great job. And we think more and more, we're just trying to make it more accessible. So we brought the price to point down to $0 a month and like make it more accessible for smaller creators to access. We also built in some cool features like automations so that you can like really take advantage of it, even though like, even if you don't time which we know a lot of our creators ask for. So that's directs. We built Tolta. Tolta's another, or like we actually acquired, Aqua, like acquired Tolta from a, another indie hacker from our community in the past. We're relaunching it and it's a centralized API for all your stats. Now this is for some of our larger creators that we work with where they just like wanted one dashboard with all their stats in one place. 
and that included their sales stats. And then we could also like bring up insights and show you what's working, what's not working in terms of converting people over to your Shopify store or whatnot. So this is sort of like a consolidated view from what I understand. The like basic version of the service is a consolidated view of all your stats on all your various creator platforms. What struck me was that there's a bunch of products out there that do kind of similar things for like only the biggest platforms like Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. And actually there's, there's less services than I would have expected to find when I was researching this. Yeah. And then you guys have gone deep and you have integrated with a bunch of like very creator specific services like Gumroad and ConvertKit and Paddle and Ghost and Clubhouse that I know are, I know those, those are on the way. How did you go about figuring out which platforms to integrate for creators? I mean, at the end of the day, it's like relationships, like similar to you, like we have relationships across founders and I literally just text founders. I'm like, Hey, we need to do this. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to be left behind. Let's go do it. Like, and it's a quick like grab. I think for us, like, and it's, we're, we're making that tool actually completely free where we make the money is that other platforms need to showcase that data on their stats. And so we just have this one API. So instead of that company spending 10 hours, like integrating all these tools, it's like, or like 10 hours per tool, like integrating each tool. We're just like a 10 minute integration and they can get every access, like every data point that they want. Yeah. And from a creator perspective, it's like, instead of flipping between a bunch of different places to look how your business is going, you have one place to, to look. For sure. Is that, it's kind of like in the same vein of what we're building at Highbeam, which is this consolidated messaging platform for creators. We deal with comments and DMs and in the future, potentially more engagement types, but as the creator economy has boomed and more and more amazing services have become available for really cheap, frankly, to creators that are building their businesses, there's almost like a new problem, which is there's just too many pieces of information coming at you as a creator to make decisions on your business. It's a really cool problem that you guys are solving. Yeah. And like, and there's this new whole, like what the problem that you're solving, we have actually discussed your problem of like prioritizing DMs and stuff. We just couldn't tackle it. Like, it was too big of a problem for us and it was too hard. But we're now looking at a lot of like, a lot of these problems of like essentially like data being all over the place and your community being all over the place. Like a lot of the problems we were tackling over the last year was like, wait, this gets solved with like this new web three rails. And we're like, now we're exploring all these web three ideas. And I think the market's not mature for it yet. Like we, we know that like deploying apps right now is not going to be the best thing to do. It's just not. People don't have the logins. People don't know how to like access it. So we're spending a little bit longer designing them for consumer grade. We're trying to like waiting for certain technologies to come out. For those that don't know, Web3 encompasses like things like blockchain and cryptocurrency. I think Web3 is like the bigger, like more cultural word around that. We say new internet, but it's like a lot of things in that, in that regard. But the cool thing about that is like the data is open. You click a button, you get access to all the data. You don't have to like spend hours integrating stuff. A lot of people actually compare Web3 Rails to the RSS feed that makes podcasts happen. Every podcast app has every podcast. You don't have to integrate into every podcast. It's just like instance. Because it's freely available because they're basic, there was just a decision way back in the day to make it open format, you know, in some ways similar to the initial Web1 structure of the internet. But now you have this, the pendulum swinging even further in the new direction of the new internet and Web3, where there are amalgamations of individuals working on really cool solutions that are totally permissionless. And and the, the perfect match is between creators and Web3 because creators are all about going out there and 
producing what you want as an individual without asking for permission, it's going to be interesting to see how Web3 enables the creator space in particular. Yeah, it makes sense. It's like creators have never done what's normal according to society, right? Like, and that's going to continue and that's going to set them ahead of everyone else when it comes to like trying new, new things, new products. Like I'm, people joke like, oh, Bobby, you're a creator. Like, yes, I'm a, I guess I'm a creator. I don't like make YouTube videos. And like, that's true. Like I am a creator of a different norm and like pushing the boundaries for like what we can do with the tools that we have access to. And I'm so excited for like, put these tools in the hands of much more creative than me, like individuals. Yeah. And like give them infrastructure and they're, they're going to do, I, don't, I can't even imagine what they're going to do with the tools that are coming out now. And so like the ability to like give ownership to like a coffee shop across the street, the neighborhood or like things that we, we couldn't conceive of. And like, and we're going to see how that plays out because even today it's, there is a hard problem of like hard to conceive of even today's like, like the stock market, right? Like that is not the easiest thing to understand. And that's just going to be 10 X in terms of complexity when we, open everything up to like this fractionalization of share-based work. So we'll, we'll see how this goes, but I think it's really exciting to see like everyone working in the space and like working with creators and like all these new things. And it started with NFT drops, which is like cool, but that's literally 1% of what's capable, what people are like, going to be capable of doing in this market. And so we're really excited to like see where this goes. Awesome. I'm really excited to follow along with the various projects and companies that spawn out of Ampersand. It's really cool to talk to you and learn about kind of this like long history of thriving off creative energy and, you know, wanting to contribute by building solutions. Really yeah. appreciate you coming on the show. Anything else you wanted to mention before we kind of wrap up? If you want to stay updated with everything we're doing, follow or go to and, and.xyz, put in your email, you'll get all of our updates from time to time. But other than that, like always feel free to DM me questions on Twitter. If you have anything, like give me the wildest question. I'm more, I answer every single DM. If I get too many DMs, I will need to use high beam. So like, please hurry up with that. Like, Coming soon. We need, we need that. But yeah, like that's about it. I'm just excited and open to new questions and meeting new people. So yeah, that's about it. Love it. I do have one pop question for you before we close that I ask every guest. I actually usually ask two. One is around what's your wild prediction for the creator economy, but I think we talked about some of this, you know, further out uh, stuff. It's really exciting. So I'll go with the very basic question: Who's your personal favorite creator, either of all time or just of the moment? I could go with the basic answer of saying like Casey Neistat, but I don't want to. <laughs> Ooh, that's a hard one. There's a lot of interesting creators. I mean, I wish I had a better answer for this. I've been following a lot with like Elliot Choi recently. Okay. So now this is like bias, like we're friends. But Elliot Choi, YouTuber, he's always made this vlog content, super like glamorous life, like college entrepreneur, startup guy. But now he's like making a lot more film heavy content and like, but also still inspiring people to like be successful and try new things and being different. And so that's, that'll be my answer for today. I will say this answer probably changes every week for me. So that's the beauty of the, the creator economy. Uh, and yeah. I'm not familiar with Elliot. So I'm going to look him up right after we get off the podcast and we will link out to everything we talked about, actually, all the ways to, to reach you ampersand site we will link out to Elliot's channel as well. And it's been really awesome talking to you, Bobby. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's been great talking to you. Cool. Talk soon. Thanks again for yeah. coming on. Talk soon. Bye. Yeah. 
that wraps this excellent episode of Creator Kit. If you like this episode, please don't forget to leave us a rating on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does make a huge difference to us, and it just takes a click. Creator Kit is brought to you by Highbeam, the message management solution for creators. For more creator resources, visit us at highbeamapp.com or follow us on Twitter. See you next week.